Last week we um, we we look at looked at the importance of um, understanding and then obeying what Jesus commands us to do. Right, and remember that isn't a set of rules. That's not going back to an old covenant system of rule keeping at all. Um, it's understanding that. When Jesus talks about obedience to his commands, those commands always have to do with faith in him. They always have to do with trusting in him and what he declares over us so that we live from a position of faith. Right? The Bible talks a lot about the, the obedience of faith, not the obedience of rule keeping, the obedience of faith. And faith is centered in Jesus. All right? And so that's a liberating thing. That's not a law bondage thing. It's always a freeing, liberating thing to actually be looking to Jesus and seeing what is possible in him. On, on Wednesday night, we, the last two Wednesday nights, for those who have been there, we've been, we've been trying to get through some of Colossians. Not very successfully, because we kind of get stuck on one or two verses and we're trying to do a whole bunch of stuff. But they've been... been the, the, Colossians is so rich. And one of my favorite verses in there is where Paul talks about the fact that, well, there's two. He says, all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. All, think about all the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. But the next statement is mind-blowing because he says, and you have been given fullness in Christ. That, that's a mind-blowing statement if you think about what it really means. And then, he's, and then he follows it up a little bit later and he says this, the mystery, the mystery hidden for ages is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so living from that place of faith is living with an understanding that the Holy Spirit dwells within us and he's there to empower us to live a life that demonstrates the life of Jesus. And that is not a heavy thing. That is not a law-keeping, rule-keeping, you know, bondage kind of thing. That is a very liberating and freeing thing. To know that the Holy Spirit is with you all the time. To empower you, to lift you, to encourage you, to equip you to live an amazing life. And I like that. That makes, that makes following the commands of Jesus something exciting and not something that's a heavy burden to try and carry. Amen? It's a whole different way of looking at things. But it's the way, the, it's the way we should look at things. Amen? A life of grace, I said, looks like something. And it isn't just, you know, happy-go-lucky, I can do whatever I want, you know, it doesn't matter whether I sin or not, let me, I'm just going to live my life the way I want. Well, that isn't living as a disciple or follower of Jesus. You know, we are to live as a demonstration of his life. And so living a life of grace actually is living a life of obedience to Jesus. That's what it really is. We live through the obedience of faith. And God values obedience. And I put up a verse last week from uh, 1 Samuel 
First uh, Samuel 15, and it says, Obedience is far better than sacrifice. But then it goes on and it says, Stubbornness, <laughs> and sometimes we're all stubborn, Stubbornness is as bad as worshipping idols. Wow. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes we may think we're sacrificing a whole lot to try and please God. And sometimes we do. You know, if you're, not, if you're not feeling great and it's cold and rainy outside, to get up to come to church on a Sunday, sometimes you feel like that's a sacrifice. But it really is a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. You know, we can busy ourselves with a lot of religious kind of effort, and religious works. And, 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 and sometimes we do that Many people do that out of, a, out of a real love for God. But they're doing it to try and get God's favour. And so then it's not an act of faith. It's an act of works. Trying to earn points, trying to get God to change his mind about us when he doesn't need to. <laughs> you know, he loves you. He loves me whether we obey him or not. And that's a hard one sometimes for our human brain to get around because we are so conditioned to think that people will only love us and accept us so long as we're doing all the right things. And God just loves us anyway, unconditionally. Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, we looked at this, says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. But the context is very important because the context was all about believing in him. And as we believe in him, he says, if you believe in me, you will do the very things that I've been doing. Folk, so this isn't rule keeping. This is stepping in to a place of freedom by faith to actually see the miraculous operate in our lives. And then Jesus tells us how it's possible. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and he's going to be with you and live with you and in you forever. And it opens a door to the kingdom. It opens a door to the miraculous. So then then, uh, when he's about to ascend to heaven, we see in Matthew 28, he says, guys, if if you're my disciples, you're going to make other disciples. He says, I'm giving you an authority on this earth. He says, my presence is going to be with you forever to the end of the age, and then he says, teach others. Make disciples by teaching them to obey what I've commanded you to do. Again, it's not rule-keeping. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's not all the old covenant laws. It's the obedience of faith in Jesus that his authority is going to be with them and that his presence is going to be with them and that he has empowered them to release, as Luke prayed this morning, to release heaven on earth. Amen? You with me? So that's a whole different way of looking at obeying Jesus, obeying his commands. It sets us free into the glories of heaven. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared 
in advance for us to do. And those good works demonstrate the life of Jesus in us. That's what the world will see. His life. And so we, we, we saw last week that obedience, um, it isn't so much an act of doing something as it is an act of trust from our heart. The very first act of disobedience happened in the Garden of Eden. Right? It was Adam and Eve. God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We all know the story. And they did it anyway. Right? And then for ever since that time, pastors have majored on, you better make sure you're obeying God because here's the consequences if you don't. But the real issue wasn't the act of Adam and Eve's disobedience in eating the fruit. The real issue was they chose not to trust what God had said. And so the root of all disobedience is distrust. It's not trusting in what God says. Do you trust in the declaration that you have fullness in Christ? Do we really trust that? Do we trust and believe that the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Do we live every day trusting in the reality that the Holy Spirit is living within us? Because, folk, it will change our life if we do. It really will. And yet for, for so many people, it just sits as theory on a shelf. Well, it's a nice thing to kind of believe, but hasn't really had a major effect in our life. And it needs to. So how will it? You have to actually act on it in faith, and that's the obedience that God's calling us to. That's what Jesus means when he's talking about obeying him. You with me? So, so the root of all disobedience is distrust. Conversely, the root of obedience is trust. It's trusting in what, in what God declares. It's recognising and honouring his word. Because he is calling out to us. He is speaking to us via the Holy Spirit and through his word, instructing us not to, not to, not to force us to blindly obey some rule, but to actually act in faith. He's not some vengeful God demanding absolute obedience to, to show and demonstrate how tough he is. That's, that's not the God that we worship. He's instructing us on how to live out of relationship with him. Trusting. See, if you don't have a relationship with someone, if you don't know they're absolutely for you, you will always find it difficult to trust them. You'll only trust them to a certain point. And then you'll want them to prove something to you before you trust them further. That's, that's what we do as human beings. But God loves us unconditionally. He's totally for us. Nothing can separate us from his love. So that should lead to a place of, us to a place of, man, God, we're going to trust you in everything. Fully. Completely, totally.
We need to be a people who listen. Remember the story that I started with last week? With that little girl, she was being taught how to ride a bike and the parents were there in the front yard and she rode out down the driveway onto the street, didn't hear her parents calling out to her to stop and she was tragically hit and killed. Sometimes we go through life, we're running ahead of God, we're not listening to the voice of God and the, and the truck of life can sometimes come and run us over and smash us and hurt us. We need to be a people who listen. Listen to what he's declaring to us. Um, Lucien said this morning, we are light. And we are. We're called to be light. We're called to be God's ambassadors in this world. A life that emulates Jesus. And Paul talks in, in Philippians chapter 2 and he says that Jesus came and he humbled himself as a servant. And he served the purposes of God. Didn't grasp for grandeur. Didn't grasp for his rightful place. He laid it all down and lived as a servant, obedient to the will of God. And folks, that's what you and I are called to do. To actually live as servants, to obey the will of God. And people so complicate that. They so complicate that. You know, what is the will of God for your life? People hunt for that. They run around because what they're looking is for a ministry. I've got to find my ministry. You know, that's the will of God, my ministry. No, the will of God for you, trust in him. And when you learn how to trust, you will hear his voice on some of the specifics that he may call you specifically to do. I was in a meeting this week, there was a whole lot of discussion on, God, what's your strategy for the church in, in the area of Coburn? You know, what are, what's your will for us? What are you calling us to do? And everyone's wanting to prophesy and give all of this stuff and they end up making a big long list of all stuff. And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, you know, what is, and, God, and I felt God say, I haven't said, I'm going to tell them, but I felt God just say to me, my will for the church in Coburn is to be the church. It's actually that simple. It's actually that simple. Sometimes we complicate a whole lot of stuff, looking for things to do instead of resting and learning how to be. Yeah? All right. Let's change tack a little bit. Um... I think one of the primary ways that the, the, world will, the world will see Jesus in us is when we're willing to serve. And it's when we're willing to obey what Jesus calls us to do. And that is the same for all of us. Now, there can be some specific things for individual people, but generally it's the same thing for all of us. And um, it's, it's, it's in our submission and it's in our obedience and that's a lot easier to do in a context like this when you're just with a bunch of Christians, you know, fellow believers. But where it really gets displayed is out there. It's out there. It's in the world. 
It's where people who don't have faith in Jesus, who are critical, it's when they see people who emulate Jesus through their submission and obedience to him and what he's called us to. That's when it has impact. And that's one of the things that I believe we all need to learn how to do. Amen? It is something that we need instruction in and then learn how to do, and that instruction comes from Scripture. All right? And so I said last week there are six main areas of just living, of life, that we're actually called to submit to, to honour, to respect, and, and to obey. To believe in what God says, to trust that when he says, hey, this is how I want you to live in this particular area of your life, do you trust me that that's not going to bring harm to you, but is actually going to bring benefit to you and benefit to others? Do you trust me to that level? And if we're honest, probably most of us don't trust to that level. And I think that will become apparent as we start to look at what those six areas are. All right? So uh, we won't get through six today. We'll just see how far we go. So the first one, if this works, please work. Okay, it's that one. To parents. To parents. Paul says... In Ephesians chapter 6, um, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Colossians 3, verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. But what do we have today? You look around in the world today, we have the undermining of parents' rights. You can't discipline your kids. You can't set certain boundaries. You can't educate them in a certain way. You can't even counsel them in the area of sexuality. You know, it's all, des all designed to destroy family life. It's, it, it, it ends up with in open rebellion. And so... I mean, I guess looking around here today, um, you know, for, for, for most of us sitting here, our, our kids have grown up, you know, so it's maybe a little bit of a different dynamic for many of us. Um, some of them have families of their, of their own, and so you can read those kind of verses and you think, well, that's all in the, in the past, it's not that applicable for us now, and so we tend to ignore them. Um, you know, for many, you've lost parents, um, but you wish they were here so that you actually could honour them again, so that you could show some affection and love and appreciation to them again. We do. A a obedience to parents isn't simply just doing what they say. It's honouring who they are. It's a respect for who they are. And so for the parents who are here who still have kids at home, you need to teach them how to honour you. Teach them how to respect you, show respect to you. And that's not always an easy thing in a society that says anything goes. 
You've got to let your kids have free expression. No, if you don't set boundaries, you're going to raise a rebel. Not always easy to talk about these kind of things. They're important. We have a responsibility as parents to raise our kids with boundaries so that they grow up knowing how to respect and honour people. Just look at the TV any night of the week and you see chaos. What's it born? It's born out of open rebellion against authority and it starts with rebellion in the home that isn't dealt with. Ultimately, God is our perfect parent. He is our father. In fact, Paul says not only is God our father, but that God treats us with the heart of a mother. So God, God acts towards us both as father and mother. He is the perfect example. We all would love to experience more and more the tangible love of God every single day. I, I do. We all would love that. But one of the things that we don't so much enjoy is when God comes along and points something out that uh, actually that's not good, guys. Huh? Who likes discipline? A few little nervous laughs. Everyone else was silent. None of us do. And yet it's such an integral part, it's such an important part of us actually saying, you know, God, I want to, come, I want to obey you. I want to submit to who you are and honour and respect you. And sometimes that means that we actually have to submit ourselves to some correction that comes from God. You know, Paul, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, sometimes you're going to actually have to correct and rebuke. Now, don't worry, I'm not doing that this morning to anyone, but I'm just wanting to make us aware this thing of actually following the commands of Jesus, part of that is actually honouring and respecting parents. And God is the ultimate parent, and we need to submit ourselves to him. Look, listen to this. I want to read this from the Passion Translation. This is Hebrews 12. It says, have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? Encouraging words, right? Keep that in mind. He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. <laughs> These are encouraging words. When he comes to correct you, don't get depressed. Be encouraged. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you, it proves you are his delightful child. What's he saying? He's, he draws us near to him, not to smack us, but to gently correct us and to encourage us and to show his love towards us. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. For he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic 
sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. So if, we, if we're kind of holding God off and say, I, I, I don't ever want you to correct me, I don't ever want you to point anything out, Holy Spirit, that, that may need adjusting in my life, whether that's an attitude or whatever it is, I don't want, ever want you to come near me and do that. You know what we're doing? We are ostracizing ourselves from God as his sons. We're saying, I'd rather be an orphan than a son. Isn't it true that we respect earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good giving us an invitation to share his holiness. Wow. When we submit to God's correction, you know what you're stepping into? His holiness. Now, we've all received the gift of righteousness, but we all know that we don't necessarily live a righteous life. All right? Don't let pride and arrogance overrule you and start to fool you that you are because you're not (laughs) me included but when I submit myself to the correction of God when I allow him to actually just put his finger on a few things that yeah maybe gee I need to adjust that you are stepping into the practical reality of his holiness which means something starts to transpire in your life where you begin to demonstrate and exemplify his life in you more and more. People see that. Hey, you're not a loose cannon just running around saying, grace covers me. No, you're actually a disciple of Jesus coming under his discipline and allowing the Holy Spirit to actually move in our life and transform us more and more and more into what Jesus looks like. Think about some of the situations you find yourself in. Has your response or reaction been like Jesus? Or has it been the exact opposite? (laughs) All discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. What what does to yield mean? It simply means to submit to and honour the Lord's instruction. So what does his discipline look like? You know, is God running around with a big stick? Is he, is he enticing you with a lolly so he can get close enough to you to give you a whack? Hey? That's, that's not what God's like. Is it God putting some sickness or disease on you to try and teach you a lesson? Is it, is it God manipulating some event or circumstance to deliberately make things hard for you? No. 
It's none of those things. And yet that's so often what gets taught. That's the way God disciplines. That, that is not Bible. He does not do that, folk. It will be totally against his nature and character if he dealt with us like that. So what does it look like? Well, it first looks like the Holy Spirit coming and identifying to our mind and to our heart that we've been wrong on a matter. And he does that gently. And if we don't listen, he does it a little bit more firmly. And if we totally reject him, sometimes he actually comes and says it quite strongly. The discipline comes with us putting that thing right. And sometimes that's painful because sometimes it means we've got to swallow our pride and uh, got to admit that we were wrong. Sometimes we've got to go and apologise to a person. Sometimes we've got to restore what was stolen or damaged or change a habit or reverse a decision and sometimes that will even cost us but folk that is what submission and obedience to the father is and we need to teach those same principles to our kids so that we don't raise rebels but that we raise responsible men and women all right Not getting very far, are we? Are you okay? I know this is different, but Paul says we need to instruct people in the truth of the word, and that's not always rah rah nice, you know. This is nice, but it's to teachers, submit to teachers. Now, that's true, I think I said last week, that's true at a natural level. You know, in our education system, we should teach our kids to submit to the authority that, our, that, their te- that the teachers they sit under have. I think a lot of the stress that teachers have these days is because the authority they have to deal with situations has been taken away from them. You know? And it just, not only does it breed rebels in the school, but it causes a lot of stressful situations for those, those teachers. Um, But when the Bible talks primarily about submitting to teachers, it's talking about those anointed to teach the word of God. It's those over us in the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep a watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so their work will be a joy and not a burden for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, it doesn't mean obey them no matter what. Because if they're teaching you rubbish, hey, you need to have your spiritual ears on to be able to identify, hey, that's, that's not right. Okay? And that's why, that's why I want to have people grounded well in the word on a foundation of grace, because grace becomes the interpretive filter for you to actually identify what is right and wrong. Living out of the reality of the new covenant and not getting dragged back into the practices of the old covenant or the beliefs of the old covenant. 
All right? We need to be well grounded in the word. You do not blindly obey when they are going against what is right, going against what God declares and going against the truth of scripture. It's not blind obedience because they have a title or position. All right? And that's why we need to be grounded well in the new covenant. Stay free. Stay free. And, uh, you know, Jesus clarified that. He, he, he said, um, don't be like those Pharisees. Don't be like those other leaders who lord it over people. Right? You're not there to be the religious policeman. You're not there to be some controlling factor. You're there to present truth and to help people receive truth, live in that truth. And when they're blatantly doing something that is hurting other people, come and correct them. Come and correct them. And that's, that's, when he's, that's what he's talking about in terms of submitting. He's also saying you need to submit to the truth that they present. You know, one of the areas that we, that we push all the time is understanding the righteousness of Christ and how it comes as a gift and the declaration of Jesus to you that you have been made righteous and perfect. Do you know some people fight against that? They fight against that. Because they want to attain that righteousness through their own self-effort. And sometimes you've actually got to come and correct those people. And that's one of those areas where God says you need to submit to what is being taught. And people fight it because I want to save myself. And I'm going to prove to God myself that I'm holy. Now, people don't always come out and say it that way. But that's what's lurking in them. And so what is that? What, what is the root of that? Everything has a root. Everything has a beginning. What is that? It's pride. Pride. Probably one of the things that we all need to submit ourselves to most and actually get rid of that thing. Because it was pride that caused Adam to distrust God. Proverbs 5, verse 12 says this At the end of your life, you will groan. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Wow. That's coming from an a description of an arrogant person who's full of pride and who wouldn't submit to the truth and the wonder of the grace of God in the gospel, in the person of Jesus. You know, inherent in sinful human nature is that people want to be their own God. You know, human nature has this attitude that we know best. How many people get themselves into serious trouble um, 
including financial trouble because they just simply won't follow sound advice. I know best. I don't care what you say. You know, you, you try and help people. You give them biblical counsel and advice on certain issues and they walk and they stand there and nod, 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 yep, yep, nod, nod and walk away and do the exact opposite and then it all blows up and then they come back and say, well, can you help me fix this up? <laughs> That's what we just read there in Proverbs. God's instruction is for us to submit ourselves to his word and to sound godly advice. And so he puts teachers in the church to help us. They're not above, they're not on a pedestal, they're simply there to serve and to help. God brings people into our lives to counsel us and to help us so that we don't come to ruin to teach us truth, to set us free and to keep us free. Arrogance will always take you back into a place of bondage. Humility will keep you in a place of freedom. And so how do you best, best um, honour and submit teachers, leaders, pastors? And I'm not saying this for me, all right? But how do we, how do we best submit to them? It's, it, it's really simple. Just follow their lead. Follow their example. And you know, that is a really hard thing to say from this side. <laughs> it's much harder to say from this side than it is from your side to actually follow. Because the pressure's here to make sure that the way a leader lives is an example of Jesus. And remember, none of us are perfect. None of us have got it down right. We're just trying to do our best. But Paul actually had the confidence to say, follow me as I follow Christ. I don't want people looking at me. I want them to look at Jesus. But I want to make sure that the advice I give you, that the counsel I give you, that the teaching I give you is from the word of God and not some humanistic idea. And sometimes that makes it a little bit harder to actually receive because it's the truth of what God declares rather than some nice little itch, you know, thing that will just tickle your ears and make you feel good. Sometimes we've actually just got to sit down and say, gee, God, that's, that's not going to be easy for me to do, but I have to obey you. Not rules and regulations, living as Jesus lived. Amen? Now, we had six things to get through and we've not even finished two, so, but I'm going to stop because our time's gone. I want to honour your time. All right? Not rah-rah, simple, line upon line, teaching truth. Strengthening our foundation because when the storms come, you need to have a strong foundation. And sometimes the foundation doesn't look all flowery. It just needs to be solid. Amen? And so 
I want to strengthen our foundation, your foundation, your foundation. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that sometimes it's not always easy to receive, but we want to submit ourselves to it. Allow it to actually bear fruit in our lives as we honour it and as we listen to your voice and follow what you declare. Lord, I, I just declare your goodness and speak your goodness and your blessing over every single person who's in this room. In the name of Jesus. Amen.